0: You're not alone. Whether you're concerned about your weight, your energy level, or lack of sex drive, or hormone imbalance, solutions are waiting for you at Nava Health. With a technology-driven approach, Nava's medical experts craft custom plans that adapt as you progress, optimizing your health. Start feeling better now at navacenter.com forward slash P-O-D. That's N-A-V-A forward slash P-O-D. Or call 855-680-6282. Results may vary. is the week to be thankful in the United States, and we would like to thank you for tuning in to DLC, your downloadable commentary for the week. DLC delivered the way it's meant to be, completely free. And that's thanks to our sponsors this week, World of Tanks and Squarespace. Squarespace! They made that possible, bringing the show to you completely free. DLC, of course, the show all about gaming in its many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I am your host, Jeff Kanata. That's with two N's and one T. And I'm joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis, the guy who's already in line for Black Friday deals, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian.
1: Hello, Jeff. I gotta buy all those amiibos, man. They're not gonna sit on my shelf if I don't buy them. I gotta buy them amiibos.
0: Uh, oh my gosh! It is. Uh, it's Thanksgiving week here in the United States, as I mentioned. It's Black Friday week. It's tons of news. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. DLC is your downloadable Kanata, your downloadable Christian. But this week, ooh, I'm excited because DLC stands for Developer and Lady Crusader. Because we got. The developer of the new game Revolution 60 at Giant Space Cat, the co-host of the Isometric Gaming Podcast on this very 5x5 network, and really, I have to say, the closest thing to a superhero in real life that we've ever had on this show, (laughs) Ms. Brianna Wu. Welcome, Brianna.
2: What's crackalackin'? Thanks for having me on for being here we're excited i have to tell you i like that dubstep at the beginning of it i could just listen to your theme intro song the entire time we're on the show and just get down to it so that happens on the table
1: all right cue it up up. jeff brianna nice talking to you guys we are out (laughs) of (laughs) here
0: um i have to say that uh you know i feel like when when the show hits like four, five, six years going. We're we're almost to our one-year anniversary, but we might regret the Wub Wub. I think it might be really? a little... Yeah, uh,
2: yeah that could know. that could age I'm, badly. Like, you could be yeah. the 80s. It could sound like, you know, 80s music sounds today, and you're like, oh, what's up with that? Like, it gets dated super quickly. It only,
1: it only um, ages bad for, like, three years, and then it gets awesome again, so... <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's, it becomes retro. So um, just
2: stick with it. Stick with it when it's awkward and people are making fun of you.
0: But Mm -hmm. if anybody hasn't listened to Isometric, it's an excellent show. And it's also right here on uh, 5x5.tv. So you can check out uh, their show. They do it every, what, what day does it come out?
2: Well, it comes out on Monday. We record on Thursdays. But uh, you know, one of the things, the reason I started Isometric is I was, I was very frustrated with the lack of you know, women's voices in video game podcasts, particularly. And I kept looking around for it, and no one was doing it. So I said, hey, I'm going to start my own. So I got three of the most awesome women I knew and our token dude on our, yeah. on our podcast. And, uh, you know, it's, it's great conversation.
1: I agree. I thought (laughs) thought you were going to say I got very frustrated by the sound of women's voices in podcasts. (laughs) I was like, wait a
2: minute. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah, the whole show goes off the rails four minutes in. That would be great.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Awesome. Well, uh, let's get to the meat of our show. And we start the show the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we try to convince one another of the most important stories that happened in the world of gaming this week. You, the listeners, can submit stories for our consideration by using our hashtag DLCSOTW on the Twitters or by visiting our subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash 5 by 5 dlc Lots of cool stories to talk about this week. Brianna, as our guest, you get first pick... What is the story that you're most interested in this week?
2: So I can pick any story that happened in the last week and say Absolutely. that is my story. I think, um, you know, it's this is probably not going to be a popular choice with your listeners, but I thought all the critique of Dragon Age uh, Inquisition's hair was awesome. And as a developer, I felt very strongly about that. It's a fantastic game. I love that game. I'm addicted to that game. I did nothing this weekend but play that game. But oh, man, the hairstyles in that game are awful. Like, they are painful. <laughs> to look at are, are you guys playing uh, dragon age
0: i am and uh, i did spend a inordinate amount of time in the character creator uh oh. and yes i would agree with you that there's shockingly very few hair choices there's right. like there's like six or seven different variations of bald yeah. uh, uh and then a few you know a few hairstyles but but usually in a game like that, which has all these incredible sliders to change the, you know, the the nose and eyes and the eyebrows and everything. And, you, and then you get like 10 possible hair choices. It seems really, right. I agree with you.
2: Well, you know, this is where I have to get a little nerdy as a developer and say like, okay, so I don't know how much you guys spent on your next gen systems, but I think I spent 400 for my PlayStation 4. And one of the things I was really hoping they would do with this with this next generation is invest a little bit more engineering resources in hair. Because, like, obviously, it's a more powerful processor, you have more draw calls, and you, you have the engineering overhead to add, like, joints to a character's hair so it can sway and move as they talk. But BioWare wanted to be very cheap from an engineering point of view, with their character's hair, which is why all of it looks like a helmet. So, (laughs) it's just, it's like, why are we even having next-gen systems if we're gonna... I mean, do you guys want, like, more particle effects or slightly sharper textures? I mean, I want humans represented better. So, Um, I was really disappointed with that.
1: I'm I'm guessing neither of you then read my Dragon Age fan fiction uh, (laughs) discussing the world of Thetis and how barbers were run out of the world back in... (laughs) Four thousand Thaddeons. You retconned.
0: Eh? You retconned the hair controversy.
1: Yeah. After I finished making Prometheus a good movie, I retconned. <laughs> well, I guess the the only defense here is that
0: uh, you know, not too long into the game, you get a helmet and you're pretty much wearing a helmet for the rest of the game, right? So
2: yeah, yeah. I but guess I mean, that would you do that? Like, I want to see my character's emotional reactions to what's going on. I mean, I want to feel yeah. connected to my character, and that's what makes a Bioware game a Bioware game so I don't know it's just it really bothers me it hurts the narrative I feel
0: well I think that the game that is doing that really really well as far as hair and expressive hair uh, right now is actually Sunset Overdrive the hair in that game is fantastic
2: Everything about that game is fantastic. Like I want to go talk to my friends at that studio and be like, How did you do your lighting? Like the the skeletal meshes look fantastic. Like every color in that game pops. I have never seen a game that puts like that character creator is so awesome at making like a female character it feels like she's a real person that could be in the real world. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I will case. say,
0: I will say though, I did see an article, I think, on Polygon uh, saying exactly how you can create a very authentic version of Daenerys Targaryen in uh, Dragon Age. Hmm. So uh, good, good on them for figuring out the sliders for that. But I, I agree, the <laughs> hair, hair is is definitely uh, lacking. Uh, but we'll talk more about uh, Dragon Age in the um, in the playlist when we're talking about our, our games we've been playing. Uh, Christian, what is your
1: story of the week? So there's a lot of good stuff this week, but I feel like what I need to talk about is my most epic return story of Call of Duty Advanced Warfare. Assuming... Oh, Jeff. I get
0: it. Your story of the week is about you.
1: <laughs>
0: I get it. Yes. I get yes. it. Okay, so let's catch people up a little bit on this. Uh, as we closed the show last Monday, you were going you were literally leaving your house right after we finished recording, and you were going back to Best Buy to try to return call of duty, advanced warfare to the big box store Best Buy because in your opinion, it was broken, unplayable, it deleted wow. your save, and you wanted to see if you could successfully return the game
1: yes, and um Okay, so I went to Best Buy where I bought the game.
0: Side note: I predicted you would not be able to do it,
1: but go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I'm
2: gonna I'm gonna guess that too.
1: Well, should I just spoil it? So I went I went to Best Buy and I and you know I think the key to these types of things is keeping a level head and never getting mad at the person you are dealing with because chances are it's not that person's fault. Um. So I went and talked to a very nice person at the customer service and they said you can't do it and they got a manager after I said okay, know I know it's not your fault, Can I talk to a manager and a manager came over and the manager was less helpful and, and she was more curt and just like, Probably because it's a busy time of year, and here she's dealing with some idiot trying to return an open video game. (laughs) Um, So she told me they can't accept returns. There are no special occasions, no workarounds, and it's because of the um, United States copyright law that actually forbids returning of open software. Now, I was never a copyright attorney Um, But I know that that's a bunch of crap. (laughs) So, you know, I'm like, that's not true. Uh, I think what you're trying to say is, you know, there's a fear of selling open soft reselling open software because there's a risk that it might be pirated or that the key has already been redeemed. And if you're selling something that has a software key already redeemed, then you as anyway, doesn't matter. And I was like, okay, well, is there someone higher up the food chain I can talk to? So she's like, you got to call one eight eight Best Buy. And I was like, okay, I'll do it. I'll do whatever you say. So I sit there. Call one eight eight Best Buy. Very nice person answers the phone. I think his name was Carl. I, I don't remember exactly, but that's what's ringing a bell. And he, I explained the situation. He's a gamer, and he was like, oh, yeah, man, the same thing happened to me. I feel really bad for you, but first of all, I don't know who the manager is there today, but there's no way you're supposed to be calling me. Like, all I can help you with is placing an order or, or, or returning something you ordered from bestbuy.com. And I was like, okay, well, is there anyone there that you can transfer me to that I can talk to? And he was like, nope, nope, can't do that. I was like, okay, is there a different number I can call? Then he gave me a number for like Best Buy corporate or some other um, Best Buy number. Then I called that number. Super helpful dude, really, really nice guy. His name was Steven, and he wasn't a gamer, but he understood, he was a good listener. (laughs) I'm, I'm remaining calm, explaining this now for the fourth time in whatever it was, 20, 30 minutes, and he's like, "Let me see." So you're what telling I can this do.
0: story in real time, is what you're
1: saying. <laughs> go ahead, yeah, come to the table. So the the, the the note of the story, right, is I feel like software returns, open software returns policies that happened around the time because it used to be like EB Games, you could return open games within seven days or whatever it was. But then when games started to include redeemable keys inside of them or piracy, you could just buy a game, you know, put all the discs on your computer and then return it. Store started to get rid of that. Um, but now when games launch broken and online play still doesn't work in Master Chief Collection, I don't think I've talked about it. I don't think it's consumers. You should be stuck with that game. So I'm explaining this to the guy at Best Buy. He's helpful. He tries, he tries, he tries. He runs it up, puts me on hold. Well, he says he's running it up and he can't like, I can't do anything for you here. But I've uh, and I got an email on it. They've started. He said it's an official review of their return policy. Um, <laughs> Best Buy to address this, what he said is sure to be a growing concern among their valued customers. <laughs> uh, so that guy was killing it, and then he gave me a number for their for an Activision uh, rep, like I guess like through Best Buy purchasing. So I called that number and I talked to them. And this guy is less helpful. And he says, there's nothing I can do. You got to get it to Best Buy. You didn't buy it through us. Best Buy needs to be the one to give you your money back. And I'm like, oh, well, Best Buy is saying you need to do it because you guys did the game and they can't do it. And so what I ended up doing is I straight up Batman 66 did where I'm holding my cell phone up against a Best Buy landline phone as I'm having the Activision guy and the Best Buy guy talk to each other. Oh, my God. (laughs) Via like two phones because they couldn't call each other apparently, and they, they I don't know what they're saying because I have it on speaker so I can only hear one end of it. Uh, and the Activision guy didn't seem too happy or nice. But then I get back on the phone and it ends up that well I, don't, I haven't received it and I don't think I'm going to. But he took my address, my information, and they said they're going to mail me a check refunding me fifty nine ninety nine wow. sales tax is not. He made a point to stress sales tax is not going to be included because that's the state's doing, not Activision's. <laughs> which was a really, uh, part wow. which really made me laugh. And then- So you're, you're,
0: you're supposedly getting a check, but, but no one took the game back.
1: No one took the, I still have the game, I'm supposedly getting a check, then an hour later, uh, I, in this process I tweeted to Activision support or whatever, and I'm like, hey, this is what I'm trying to go through, whatever, seeing if that could help also. Then an hour later, someone else from Activision called, I was driving, so I didn't, I don't know the number- I was driving, and this guy called, and he's like, I'm from Activision Support, we saw your tweets, whatever, and he accused me of breaking the game, not only for me, but for everybody. He said, you know, if you turn off your system improperly while online, not only can you ruin your game, but the games of everyone. I'm like, well, I wasn't playing online. He's like, yeah, but now we might have a netcode problem. I'm like, what are you talking about? There's no way. That's just, that's just science. <laughs> right, exactly. Anyway, so that was the biggest guffaw, uh, haha moment, I think, but... Long story, remaining long. I'm mm-hmm. going to get a check 10 years from now.
0: Well, wow. we will stay tuned to find out if you actually get your check. Uh, my sources, which is this eight ball that I have on my desk, uh, <laughs> point to know. So, um, but that's interesting. I give you a lot of credit for being tenacious. I would have given yeah. up, you know, like a one step into that process personally.
2: Yeah, I have to ask, like, so what exactly happened? Like your your save games were corrupted? What What precisely happened?
1: So um, it happened twice. The first time Uh I only lost a level of progress. The second time Uh I was on the second to last level and then went to restart my game. And I I could only select to the fourth level. And I Googled it and um, Sledgehammer Games had, you know, like a bug log. And it was one of the known bugs at that time that they called a rare save game progression bug that would wipe your progress. Um, And as I researched it more, it looked like maybe there was a memory leak in the game that would cause it. Um, and so I got hit by it and I feel like in a game of call of duty, replaying those levels to get back that, you know, two hours of progress isn't fun.
2: Yeah. 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 Huh. That's really interesting. I mean, as a developer, I, I feel like I kind of always have the, the developer perspective on this. And I mean, those games are under such tight time crunches. Like, you can look at Assassin's Creed Unity and, and see a team that was forced to have a game out by X date, even though the game clearly was not ready. And it just it gives me so much empathy for those dev teams that are you know, clearly pushed too hard.
0: Did you guys see the uh, amazing video this week of the uh, Assassin's Creed Unity NPCs intruding on the cutscene? Yes! anybody see that? Oh my yes. god, it's so funny. Awesome. So funny, and then this, this this really serious cutscene going on, and then these these three yokels just show up in in all of the uh, angles that are you know the cinematic angles of the cutscene, talking really loudly in French. Uh, it's, it's worth tracking down if you haven't seen it. It's pretty funny.
2: I mean, what um, do they have? They have a procedural script there to populate the world with background noise, basically, right? Right. And they didn't have time to do QA to test everything, and somehow that's showing up in the midst of a cinematic where it should be turned off. I mean, This is a, a classic case of not enough QA for a game. So, yeah, you know. and it's
0: these, you know, putting your flag in the sand and saying, We're putting this game out on this date, you know, a year in advance or more. And yeah. there's no moving that date. It's just putting the game out at whatever state it happens to be in on that date. So, yeah, yeah. It's a bit frustrating. Um, okay, well, there's lots of other stories here that don't involve Christian, uh, shockingly. <laughs> um, and I'm having a tough time picking my one story of the week. So before I do, let's talk about some things uh, that are interesting in the upcoming... Well, this past week, actually, we had some pretty massive anniversaries. Two decade, 10-year anniversaries. uh, One for World of Warcraft and one for Half-Life 2. And um, it's really interesting to see the difference in the way these two companies are handling the 10-year anniversary. Blizzard, of course, sells Celebrating, giving players all kinds of cool little rewards for logging into World of Warcraft uh, until January 9th, I think this is how long it lasts. But you get some cool pets, and and they're doing you know updating an old dungeon and doing some cool stuff uh, and making a big deal about it. And meanwhile, over at Valve, it's as if Half Life two didn't turn ten. They couldn't care less. Uh, there is no mention of it, no press release, no nothing. There's no. No special anything. And of course, you know, we're all waiting around for Half Life 3 to happen. I think it's pretty interesting. I'd love, Brianna, for you to talk a little bit about. It. Do you have any memories of these games? When did you, did you play them at launch or did you play them later? And uh, what do you think about the differences in how these two companies are handling them?
2: Well, I have to tell you, there was a certain point of my life where I said to myself, Brianna, you cannot play MMOs because it's stopping you from having a career. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Like I get that addicted to them and being a dev, it's hard. Being a dev is a really hard career, so you know I very, I, I very deliberately canceled my World of Warcraft account, and yeah, you know, like everyone else, I've um, you know played Half Life Two. I've messed with Source; it's a very interesting engine. Gary's Life mod, like it's very, very interesting. Um, I think it's it's just a economic question. I mean, World of Warcraft is clearly still you know getting revenue through ongoing World of Warcraft subscriptions. I mean, this is a amazingly still an active game ten years after it's been released, and I think that's very much to the credit of the art style they took. Um, what I find really interesting about Blizzard work in general is it's very technically scalable Work mm. so you can look at it it's low amount of bones, low amount of meshes, they use solid colors as opposed to a lot of fine texture work or normals or spec maps or anything like that it's a It's a art style that kind of it's like Legend of Zelda. do you know what I mean? It transcends yeah. time to a certain extent, so I think that that's a reflection of that, and I think it's very much to the credit of the the those mechanics that still hold up so strongly, you know, ten years. Down the road, I think Half Life Two is still a very important game, but the kind of um, you know physics simulation that had um, you know with respect to that team, I think you know there's a reason now why a lot of developers are asking what's the future of Source Engine? Like, are they going to keep? Is this really a viable product going forward? Because Half Life Two does look very dated. You know, I would I mm. would guess that Half Life Two is a, a lower percentage of their company's like ongoing revenue stream. You know, well, so, yeah. When your yeah. company
0: involves uh, Steam, you know that that's that's, that's right. the uh, that's the whale right there. That's right. the that's the revenue generator. So you don't even have to make games. To
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, that's that's my take on it. I think WoW is an amazing game, and you know, I've I've been very critical of, of Blizzard because I think I think their portrayal of women is generally problematic, which is shocking to me. If you look at the stats of women that play Blizzard games, um, but I think as far as a company and the product they they. Put out um, Hearthstone has amazing mechanics, and I think, like as far as the people doing the science of game development, I think they're they're just amazing.
0: It certainly seems like, especially as of this last BlizzCon, they really made a point to try to open their arms and invite women into the fold. And it certainly seems like their new IP, Overwatch, yeah. uh, has a lot of really strong, interesting female characters. And I was really impressed with what Mike Morheim said to open BlizzCon about you know how they want to be inclusive and they really took a stand there. I thought that was, that was pretty impressive.
2: Yeah. As one of the women targeted by those people, I was particularly appreciative of those remarks, but yeah, Overwatch looks fantastic. My, my main concern with that is I think if Overwatch is done well, the mechanics and characters will be tweaked, so if you are not a Twitch gamer, there will be a character you can play with that rewards tactical play, or, you know what I mean, yeah. rewards some other element. If Overwatch is done poorly, then it's just going to be another Twitch first-person shooter. And I do appreciate the step forward forward with the, you know, the representation of women. I think those, the character styles look gorgeous. Um, But my worry is with the playtesting cohort. Uh, You know, if if they don't make a specific commitment to bring in women with their playtesting cohort, they're going to end up with another, yet another game that's fine-tuned for, you know, guys 20 to 30, which is what happens when you you know, put out a call for playtesters. This is why games tend to reward really hardcore mechanics. So, you know, I hope they'll I hope they will do more to make the game accessible to everyone beyond just, you know, character designs.
0: That's a really interesting point about uh, playtesting to a specific demographic because those are the people that respond to playtesting calls. <laughs> you know, yeah, I think that's yeah. a really interesting point.
2: Oh, we found uh, this at Giant Space Cap. Like yeah. it, it would, you would actually find that when you bring in, you know, and look, everyone is a valuable gamer. I don't care who you are, you should be included in a playtesting cohort. But men that were between the ages of 20 and 30 were very antagonistic and negative towards choices or tweaks that made the game more inclusive to everyone else. And, you know, I think that kind of explains why games tend to confuse and frustrate normal people when you hand them a controller.
0: Interesting. Christian, what about you? What, what is your take on this uh this interesting anniversary dichotomy between these two companies? Do do you have any memories of playing Half-Life ten years ago or did you play it later?
1: Both. Uh yeah, I played it ten years ago and I played it in, in orange box re releases as well. It's a great game, but I think um oh man, I could scroll through the chat to attribute this this like thought, I mean, World of Warcraft is still going strong, an expansion just came out, um, Jeff I can tell you're playing it every night because you're up past your usual (laughs) 8pm bedtime It's true. Tweeting about it. Bleary-eyed
0: at 9pm Yeah, it's true
1: (laughs) And Half-Life 2 is a game that came out 10 years ago, that Valve is not currently invested in that IP anymore Why not?
0: That's the question Why not? Come on! We're all waiting why should, for...
1: Why should they Because be? they
0: ended the series on a cliffhanger, yeah. and they promised us three episodes, no, and we're all sitting around waiting. What? They, they promised they us? They, th- that was... When Half-Life Episode 1 came out, they said it was going to be three episodes.
1: Right. That's not a promise.
0: <laughs> well, okay. I mean, you ended the second episode with a cliffhanger for the <laughs> third episode, which you said was going to come out. I kind of feel like yeah, that's a no, promise. No, no, I
1: mean, I agree, but it's like, at some point, okay, you know, whatever. Uh, Superman Returns also ended uh, with the cliffhanger, and they didn't make another one, and I'm fine with that. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, it's a good game. So you're but-
0: saying Half-Life 2 is the Superman Returns of video games, Christian Spicer direct quote. <laughs> uh,
1: what I'm saying is, you asked why the- Valve isn't doing a big 10-year anniversary, and it's because two Valve, it's a game they made 10 years ago, that they're not currently focused on or investing on the IP, then you asked me a second question of why is that, then I gave an answer, then you looped that answer back to answer the first question you asked, which isn't fair. And the reason why, uh, wow, 10-year anniversary is a big thing is because by advertising their 10-year anniversary, it gets people that used to play the game that no longer play the game to re-up their subscription to buy their stupid new expansion. It's business. Business, bro. Business. Yeah.
0: Well... Half Life Two is available for purchase on Steam. I think it's only ten bucks. They could juice that (laughs) game. It's a game that is important in the history of video games. I I mean, I, I think the easy answer is to say it's all you know, just well, yeah. One company is still making money on this thing, and I and that's true to a certain extent. But there is this massive gaping hole of 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 lack of information about what is one of the giant pillar franchises in gaming history right this is a game where everyone is waiting and for every year at e3 people go maybe this is the year for half-life 3 uh, and to completely ignore the fact that this massive game just hit a decade since its release that's a big deal and i think it's weird that this that this company is ignoring that and not making any mention of it. Um,
2: I, I guess I'd have to say, when I think about the mechanics that made Half-Life 2 very innovative a few years ago, what were the two big things that made it innovative? The first was it's, you know, it's physics attributes. Like if they had a crate there, they would assign a number to breakability and weight and all these different things. And, you know, polygamal fragmentation, if you broke it. And also story. So, I think you have to look at it in 2014. Where are we as an industry? Um, I've actually never played a Call of Duty game until Advanced Warfare. And as far as being a cinematically scripted story, like we've come a long way since Half Life 2, as far as the ability to tell a story. So, I think I would say that's because of Half
0: Life 2. I would, completely I would say, agree it, with it, you. It, yeah, it influenced yeah. games forever.
2: So but I think like so that kind of innovation that they can deliver there's a very crowded marketplace for that. Then you look at the other kind of advance that they've done and that is with the the physics and the breakability. Um I think that what Half Life 2 accomplished so well 10 years ago is now something that you can Put in your game, i wouldn't say easily it 's not a trivial engineering challenge, but it's it's certainly doable. I mean this is why things like physics exist, so i don 't know. I think maybe my guess with half life three is they've been waiting for a mechanic or a breakthrough or something to really put that kind of innovation that valve requires itself to bring to game, so it's not just another you know fps
0: I actually completely agree with you i think i think yeah. that's that is the case that they are they understand the importance that a half-life 3 has and they do want to change the game and i you know i'm seeing a lot of comments here in the chat um saying you know half-life 2 is never coming out uh it, it could only ever be a disappointment yada 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 no. i think if people remember i i part of what i why i wanted to bring up these anniversaries is to talk about my memories of those moments um I remember very clearly Half-Life 2 being announced. It was one of those things where it's, it's announced and it's coming out in just a couple of months that nobody's ever done that before. And there was such anticipation for what a Half-Life 2 would be because Half-Life, the first one, changed the game and was this incredibly massive hit and did things that no one had ever seen before in, in first-person shooters. And when Half-Life 2 came out to such incredible expectation and exceeded expectation. I mean there was a lot of drama surrounding it. there was this hack uh, there was uh, you know a delay after they said oh, it's only going to be you know coming out in a couple of months and then they got hacked and then they delayed the game and there was all this stuff you know quote unquote proving that they weren't ready. It was a lot of drama, but then the game hit and it was a revelation i I remember very well I actually bought my very first HD TV uh, it was a 720 p HD TV I spent three thousand dollars on it wow. at the time yeah. Uh, and it was the first HDTV I, uh, I ever had, and it could be plugged into to my computer. And I bought it specifically to play Half Life Two on it. Um, and it was it was like I was it was this incredible new kind of experience—the gravity gun, all of that excitement that came with that game. It just—I can't believe it was ten years ago. First of all, and second of all, it 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 really did live up to expectations. And I think that you're exactly right, Brianna, that. Valve is smart enough to recognize A, we don't need the money, so we don't have to put anything out until we're super proud of what we put out. And B, when we do put something out, if it says Half Life 3 on the box, it better be genre defining and game changing. Yeah. And I think that they're, I think, I hope that they are coming up with something that fits those two categories.
1: Can I just. I, I th- yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I just wanted to point out real quick, Jeff, that the story you brought up was also brought up so that you could talk about you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I was hoping everybody would talk about their memories of that. I mean, I, I invited everyone to talk about their I, memories. I
2: love that game. It's a it's a groundbreaking game. If you remember Half Life Two coming out, I remember for me as a developer, it was it was mind blowing. Like do you remember that gun and figuring out all the ways you could break puzzles with that? I yeah. do you remember that? That was freaking amazing. But, yeah. and I- you know, if you think about Valve and the standards they hold themselves to, which speaks so well for them as a company. I mean, I cannot give you a single bad sentence about Valve. But Portal 2, they did Portal 2, and Portal 2 brought a lot more to that genre. It was a better story. Um, you know, the the painting mechanics, I thought, were not as solid as the mechanics of the first game, but it, it made the game grow. It made the experience grow. And I just... I, I try to think about what valve would want to do, and i can 't help but you know one of the biggest advances for this generation is going to be programmable shaders it 's not so much the poly count that 's going to drastically increase it 's this um a really good example is like looking at the water for, for watchdogs. And you can see like the way that they program this ripple and you know, translucency spectral effect on it is really compelling. It, it looks next gen when you see it. You know, I can't help but think maybe Valve is waiting for that kind of development to be made for a physics engine. I mean, I've never played a game with like destructible environments that really didn't feel like it was cheating with scripting to a certain extent. So mm-hmm. I don't know. That's, that's my hope.
0: Well, I like how uh, Kent Doggy Dog in the chat room referred to it as connotaversaries. Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll get into that. Um, <laughs> we do need to take a second right now and thank our first sponsor, which is another video game sponsoring the show today. We are grateful to have World of Tanks. Uh, it is Thanksgiving, and so you should be playing World of Tanks for Thanksgiving. They didn't. They didn't tell me to say that. I just came up with that on my own. Shocking, I know. Uh, what is World of Tanks? It's an awesome MMO. ...for your PC where you battle other players with massive, high-powered, authentic tanks... ...by blasting away in intense, strategic, armored warfare. The game has a variety of maps, including some that are based on famous battlegrounds of World War II... ...and you can customize over 300 different tanks in the game... That you use to strategically take down enemy players. Tanks are based on real tanks made from seven different nations across the world and include light tanks, medium tanks, and heavy tanks, tank destroyers, and self propelled guns. I don't even know what a self propelled gun is, but it sounds rad. Each battle takes between 5 and 15 minutes, so it's quick to play, and there are different types of battles that you can choose from, so the gameplay is never repetitive. You can use your in-game garage to manage your tanks, chat with other players, buy new equipment, train your crew, and much more. You can also team up with your friends in World of Tanks and create a clan to go up against other clans in a variety of different battles. In fact, there is a new Stronghold game mode for clans, and it allows you to purchase land to build and improve your stronghold to get increased battle rewards for your members and your clan to benefit from the more you build up your stronghold the better benefits your clan gets it's constantly being updated and the best part is world of tanks is completely free to play you'll get in-game gold from battling to spend on upgrades and other content but guess what we're going to hook you up because World of Tanks is free to play. If you check it out because you listen to this show, we will hook you up with exclusive new content including a premium including a premium tank, premium time and 500 bonus gold. All you have to do is go to worldoftanks.com, download the game and enter offer code DLC, it must be all caps, DLC in caps and we'll get you a premium tank, 500 gold and some premium time just to try out World of Tanks. I'm not even really into military stuff, and I think this game is really fun. I'm digging it. World of Tanks, we tanks you for listening to our show. <laughs>
2: Check it out. Jeff, can I say something about that game? Please, that game please. is un- okay. I don't get paid anything to say this, so I will just tell you: I am married to the world's biggest tank like fanatic. Like my husband loves tanks. In fact, like our vacation this year is actually driving to Minnesota, so he can drive a real tank, and he's going to pay a thousand dollars to drive a tank over a car and destroy it. So oh my that god! Is how I didn't know that was an option. Husband, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> that is how much my husband loves tanks, and he played this game, and his eyes are just bugging out of his head. It is, it is so easy to play, and if you know anything about tanks, it is, it's true and accurate, and it's, it's, it's. It's good gameplay. It's mechanically solid. So, man, if you if you like anything out there, this is a fantastic game.
0: Wow, I'm really glad uh, I'm really glad you you spoke up because that, that's that's awesome to hear. That someone who's really into tanks. Because I'm not into tanks, and I thought it was fun. But to know that somebody that's into it, and it's free, so it's you don't even have to you know risk anything by trying it. Worldoftanks.com will hook you up with in-game gold, a premium tank, if you use that promo code DLC, all in caps. All right, uh, back to the stories. Uh, I also just wanted to mention, uh, if we're talking about um ten years ago, World of Warcraft, I was uh, sitting in queues on launch day, and uh, you know, here we are, ten years later, sitting in queues. Actually, they, they did a lot of good work this year, this uh, week to I- improve that situation. I'm not, I'm back to my main server and not sitting in queues, so that's cool. Um, also, this week, of course, Black Friday. Brianna, do you do Black Friday? Are you a are you a bargain shopper? I,
2: I'm sorry, I'm a developer with a job stuff <laughs> <not> to do. <laughs> you know, I have. You don't mortgage. give yourself the day off for Black Friday? Well, it's you know, I look at Steam sales, I look at Steam sales and Amazon sales in particular. I look at, but um, you for me, especially as a developer, it's like I know how much they need to be compensated fairly for the work they've done. So I don't mind paying full price for games, but you know, so I will, I will totally be stalking Amazon and, and steam, but I just, I'm not going out with, I'm not going to go do that with people. Now. Why, what about you guys? Are you going to do it?
1: Christian, are you a black Friday guy? Oh man. I used to love, I loved it when it was black Friday and I could enjoy Thanksgiving with my family and then you know, go to bed, and then get up at an ungodly hour, and then go stand in line at Best Buy and meet the best friends you'll ever have for two hours in line. Um, as it's become more and more um, brown Thursday or whatever, you know, like as the sales start earlier and earlier, I've lost interest, and as Amazon and other online retailers have um, you know, done a really good job where you don't need to leave the comfort of your warm home, um, I've kind of scaled back on going out, but I do, I like you know, bargain hunting and, and finding deals and, and stuff like that. I think, I think it's really fun and it feels satisfying when you get one of the little things that are supposedly hard to find. I also think it's fun if you don't have anything that pressing to do. It's, I find it to be really fun just to go out to Best Buy or Walmart on Black Friday without the intent of buying anything and just watching other people being stressed and like crazy and you're just there having a good time drinking your <laughs> latte or whatever. It's fun. Um, don't get I've trampled used, what, what's up i said don't get trampled right yeah exactly that's why you show up later you show up after <laughs> the the doorbusters and then you just hang out um i've always used cheapassgamer.com as a good source for black friday mm-hmm. deals i host a show with wombat from there it's uninformed opinion so you know i'm friends with those guys but um even before i knew them that was always kind of my go-to black friday resource what's your what's your biggest get jeff do you have like an awesome black friday deal like that you found um, before?
0: No. I mean, I've done uh I'm you know, I'm much more of a Cyber Monday kind of dude. Yeah. Um but uh I, I, I have to say that the closest thing to Black Friday, I don't think this was actually on Black Friday, but the year that the Xbox 360 came out, I slept on the curb in front of Best Buy oh to God. get that console. Um and I had a great time. I had a great I mean it was very similar to a Black Friday kind of situation. It was in November, but I don't think it was actually Black Friday. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I camped out by myself and, uh, it was just me and my iPod video, which had just come out, and <laughs> uh, I waited. Yeah, I waited to get the Xbox Three Sixty, and it was really fun. And, and like you said, you make friends with people, complete strangers that you would never hang out with, but they were there all, you know. And my girlfriend at the time came down and like gave me some food to stay in line, and uh, it was, you know, it, it's a, it can be a very fun thing, you know, like standing in line for a movie or something. I, I think people who just kind of turn their nose up at line standers uh, are missing the point that it's not it it's it's part of the celebration of the event is just being yeah. there together it's right. it's
2: cool, yeah, I've done that with Apple events to like yeah you know, to go buy dev devices because for us when Apple puts out a new device, it's you know it's not like I enjoy it as a consumer. we have to like you know figure out how to get up to air game for it, so it's always a blast going doing that, but man, that's hardcore that's I, I, I think my favorite part about Black Friday and Cyber Monday is all year long, there are games, and I'm like, well, I'm not going to pay $60 for Wolfenstein, but I know I'll pick it up at some point this year, and I know that I'll be able to grab that for you know, $10, $20, $15, something like that. So it's, it's always fun to like pick up those those B games. You know what I'm talking about, the ones where you don't want to run out and buy yeah. it? but sure. yeah,
1: Wolfenstein's so. not a B game.
2: <laughs> I, I've heard that, I've heard that.
1: It's so good. I, it's very I uh,
2: like first-person shooting, yeah.
1: Sure, yeah, no, it definitely is Is that. I, I feel like for me, I'm showing my, my age perhaps, like standing in line and whatever has kind of become less fun and less interesting as slick deals and even people on, you know, GBS Gamer or wherever, like there's resellers that are going out there and, and sitting there and, and camping out and buying 10 to put on their eBay store and it's less of oh, you're like me, we're a fun group of people all excited about the 360 or the PS2 or the Super Nintendo and now it's more um, schleppy dude there, the stereotype, right? Like schleppy dude there doing his business or the guy that was hired $20 to stand in line and whatever, whatever, whatever. And now that we don't have iPad, iPod videos and iPhones, it's a little less communal event because there are people there with like generators and their console in their tent. (laughs) I think that's cool. I don't know. Yeah,
2: I do too. I think it's cool. That's uh, and just hardcore. doing a, that is this hardcore gamer you should get if you're bringing a generator out to play. Yeah, that's right. Yeah,
0: um, I'm just doing a cursory glance over some of the uh, deals this year that have already been announced. It seems like if this is if you waited a year to get into the current gen of systems, then this is the time because it feels like it bundles are the Black Friday deal du jour because uh, we got massive discounts on really. Pretty awesome bundles like PlayStation Four bundles with The Last of Us Remastered and GTA Five, hmm. uh, Wii U bundles with like every good Wii U game that's come out so far, including Super Smash Brothers, uh, Xbox One uh, Assassin's Creed bundles with both Unity and Black Flag. So if you and, and you know deep discounts on these as well. So uh, if this was your plan, kudos to you because uh, it, it turned out I think pretty pretty good that you'll get a, a, a good deal if you can be one of those people into the store or online in time. Hey, Jeff, um, so, do, you yeah.
2: any, do you see any deals there for, uh, for 3DS by any chance?
0: 3DS it yeah, looks like yeah. uh, with Mario Party Island Tour um, okay. that's the GameStop okay. and Best Buy yeah, are both yeah, yeah. doing that for, okay. uh, Best Buy's got it for 175 bucks.
2: Acceptable. So. Yeah, I lost and, mine at uh, PAX Prime this year, so I'm looking to like uh, get a decent one upgraded again. Well,
0: I'm tempted by the 3DS XL, which yeah. is uh, you know they're doing uh, bundles for that. Sears has a uh, 170 bucks when you purchase a game 3DS XL. Anyway,
1: because the new ones right around the corner. Yeah, that's right.
0: That's right.
1: Uh, okay, um, another couple of things
0: I wanted to bring up before I get to my actual uh, game of, or story of the week. Um, our friend. Jeff Keighley's Game of the Year, or, excuse me, Game Awards are uh, nominees have been announced. The Game Awards, I think, are going to be next week, or no, actually, excuse me, the week after, uh, and the the nominees are announced. Some interesting stuff. Uh, I'm particularly impressed by the Game of the Year because there's some hev- massive heavy hitters that are not on this list. So, real oh. quick, the nominees for Game of the Year: Bayonetta 2, Dark Souls 2, Dragon Age Inquisition, Hearthstone, okay. and Shadow of Mordor. Uh, I think that's a pretty solid list. I'm surprised, you know, you're not seeing games that I think would sort of be there if this was still the Spike TV Awards. You know, the, there's no Call of Duty, there's no S- Sunset Overdrive, there's no uh, Assassin's Creed. There's there's a lot of stuff missing no from that Destiny, list.
1: No Destiny, no Titanfall. Yeah, Destiny's
0: not on there, right? Yeah.
1: I don't think Destiny
2: is game of the year. I'm sorry. I don't (laughs) either. No, I agree with you. Qualify, yeah. But it's
0: it's of a caliber that usually gets nominated. You know, it's yeah. yeah, yeah. Usually in these cases, it's it's more like most talked about game of the year is really the subtext, Um, and so I'm sort of impressed that especially even like a a free to play, you know, iPad game like Hearthstone is is a game of the year candidate, and I think Hmm. deservedly so. But um, any games here, Brianna, that other than Revolution 60, that you think uh, uh, should have made the list that, uh, that didn't?
2: I will not be endorsing my own game for Game of the Year. <laughs> the, it's about journalistic ethics, Jeff. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, my my choice for Game of the Year is, I think it's going to be an outlier for a lot of people. Um, and I have to say, like that list you just gave of games is so dude-heavy. I'm sorry, every one of those games you, you, you named are games for dudes. I mean, uh, you dream... Well, Bayonetta, okay, I'll give you that. I love Bayonetta. God, I love Bayonetta. But um, my my current vote for Game of the Year, after a lot of thought, has been Danganronpa for uh, PlayStation Vita. And, you know, it's not the most beautiful game, it is not the most technically impressive game, but what it is, is an experience completely unlike anything i've ever had in a video game um do you know that feeling after you beat a game and you turn it off and you're thinking about it for days afterwards do you know what i'm talking about oh
0: sure yeah that's called world of warcraft for
2: me right but go ahead, okay Jack. that's cool that's cool <laughs> Dank and ronpa is amazing it's got amazing characters and um i think it's just a, a and it it's an astonishing game. So if you like story-based games, uh, Danganronpa is as good as it gets. Uh, the other game I think is very high on my personal Game of the Year list would be Dreamfall Chapters, uh, mm. which is currently out for Steam. Um, Dreamfall is a beautiful, well-told epic story of it, it's just so visually beautiful you have to play it to experience it and it's again it's not like a destiny mow and you know mow and shoot everything in sight it's a very cerebral story with characters you're gonna care about. So you know when it comes to the the experiences I personally enjoy, that is kind of what I tend towards. Does that make sense mm-hmm. to you?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh Christian, what about you? Are you um does this list give you hope for these awards or you still worried that they're going to be a little fluffy?
1: Uh, I'm as certain as I can be that they will be fluffy. Um, <laughs> there are some. I mean, it's 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 all about its preferences or whatever, right? If I had to pick from this list, um, Mordor would be would be my favorite. But I think the whole we've talked about this before. I believe Jeff when we did our March Madness. I mean, I think the whole idea of game of the year is pretentious and dumb. Really? Um, I mean, it should be your favorite of the year, not game of the year. Who are you? What are you talking about? I haven't played half of these games. Well, I don't well, know if
2: I agree with that. Yeah. I, okay, I think, well, yeah.
1: if you're going to sure, do game of the year, what are the criteria? What are we judging on? What comes into play? Do graphics count? Or is it just, if it's just personal preference, then it's not, then it's your personal game of the year, but it's not game of the year to put something up on this, like, this is the game of the year. Well, but then
0: you're just, you're indicting the idea of awards. You're not indicting Game right. of the year you're saying there should not be a best picture you should, you're saying there should not be Grammy for best album you know there, if if it's if the idea of awards is what you object to, then fair enough, but I don't think that games are any different than any other piece of media where you can yeah, award well, the best of
1: well that's I, a large I have to agree with that yeah that's a, that is a large part of it. I do think most awards like that are dumb. I think when you add in community or fan voting, it makes it even dumber because then you're eliminating the chance that people are voting have played all of the games. It's not, it, 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 it's yes. Um, <laughs> And I, I think even all-star games when they brought in fan voting is dumb and stupid. And I, I do think it applies to other award shows. And I think it especially applies to video games because it is a younger medium and we've never even established in terms of reviews. Is it a technical review about how glitchy Assassin's Creed unity is, or is it how much fun you personally had playing it? Does graphics matter? If graphics matter, Warcraft or, um, uh, Hearthstone could never be considered against a game like uh, Shadow of Mordor, but that's not the most con- dominant factor. Is it just fun? Is it hours played? Is it this, that, or the other? Where I think games are in a unique position that's a little more complicated than a song or a movie that are generally very ah, that's similar crap. in terms of the medium.
0: <laughs> Dude, that is, that's,
1: <laughs> I think
0: you're conflating a whole bunch of different issues here, uh, first of all. And second of all, like it, it's. I think there is value to awarding achievement in any medium, and to be able to come together and say, "We as a community uh, feel that this game is deserving an award. It's uh, it's it's the the highest achievement in this medium in this calendar year, and we want to recognize it." There's nothing wrong with that, and there's no need to lay it weigh it down with all this weight of well, are we talking about graphics? Are we talking about this?
1: I think any it person... It's called having an honest discussion about criteria used for okay. judging what you consider merit.
2: Right. I, I think I would agree with you on this. Um... One thing I've been very critical of in in press and other things is the lack of women that get to vote for Game of the Year at all of these institutions. Like if you look at Spike TV Awards or IGN or Giant Bomb or GameSpot, um, I think a a fact of the matter is is because game journalism is so dominated by men. Um, If you actually go through and try to find out how many women get to vote on these things, it's a a really shockingly low number. And I think that is reflected if you look at um, kind of the history of games and and what ends up winning, it ends up being kind of skewing towards a very particular type of gamer. So I, I'm i really in agreement with you that I think the, the criteria are very amorphous. But that said, I'm also in agreement with Jeff that I think for us as an industry, I, I think I think games are just as powerful and important a medium as films or music or anything else. And I, I think it's very appropriate for us as an, an industry to take stock every year and kind of think about what the best work was. I, I love looking through Wikipedia at past games of the year. It's, a, it's, it's really interesting to see what was remembered at the time very fondly versus you know what truly stands the test of time. So, so. I, yeah,
1: I agree that I think champion, being a champion of games that you love and, and having a group of like, look, at, you know, all the awesome stuff we've done this year, Night of Celebration is great. But When you're looking at Wikipedia at these past games of the year, whose game of the year are you looking at? The BAFTAs, IGNs, the general consensus. And that's the biggest problem I think gaming has with these awards where everyone has a game of the year. And it is, I think it is more problematic than like, Oh, there's the Grammys and the AMAs. Yeah, there are different music awards. But if you look back, there's not Song of the Year award. You'd see who won the Grammy in 2000, who won the AMA in 2000, who won the Country Music Award in 2000. And, and uh, games, for whatever reason, there's not necessarily that level of, of awardship where it's like, oh, the everybody knows the Game Spot Awards where the whatever, whatever, whatever. And I don't know. I mean, I, and someone pointed out in the chat, too, it's like, you know, when you talk about it on uh more quote unquote core video game podcasts about, I mean, I think Hearthstone this year might get a little bit of like that's not a, or like candy crush the year it came out. Like why couldn't that be considered? And I don't know, Jeff, I I do. I do think it's more problematic in games and it is in other in other media. But I also think having a problem with it doesn't mean that I like hate games and think that <laughs> games shouldn't be celebrated. I think it's I just never,
0: complicated. I didn't mean to imply that at, at all. Um, uh, two things. First of all, uh, I, I want to point out that in, in regard to what Brianna was saying, um, I give a little credit to uh, Jeff's, at least the website here for the Game Awards lets you look at the voting jury. Mm-hmm. And you're absolutely right that it's a very small percentage of women on the jury, yeah. but at least you see those names. I think that's yeah. a good thing to know yeah. that you see who is contributing. So you can you, you can make your own opinion based on who was uh, who was putting these games up for consideration. Um and to your point, Christian, I, I'm just, I don't understand. I truly do not understand your position here. I do not understand how, uh, anybody's it, it's, it's a game of the year award in the subset of this particular award show. This is the game awards that Keely's putting on. Uh, and his, his show is doing a game of the year, just like the Grammys do a song of the year and the Grammys do an album of the year. It's a, it's a, category within a, spe- a specific award and if you don't put any you know weight under these awards then so be it but i don't i think that putting a list of five games as contenders for game of the year is not uh, is not a mystery to anybody nobody is going like oh well, are they talking about best graphics of the year no they're talking about what was the experience that should be lauded highest among this group of people and uh, anyway I think we've talked about this probably more than we should and we'll probably talk about it again when the winner is announced in a couple of weeks but um, Do you
2: guys at DLC have your own game of the year? Because we're at Isometric we're thinking like we feel because we have such a high preponderance of women like we're taking our game of the year very seriously because there are very few you know, institutions where we get to talk about that so we're, we're having a very giant bomb approach to it where we're just going to open it up to Everyone, so you'll be able to hear what we're talking about, what we value, what our thinking process is in these really long podcasts. Are are you guys doing that yourselves? Or
0: well, you know, to be honest with you, we started the show last January sixth, so uh-huh. we we are coming up to the first full year of doing the show. Uh, and and Christian and I haven't talked about it offline specifically, but uh-huh. my my plan was, and we can you can talk about how we want to do that is is very similar to what you're talking about. Is that yeah. we will be talking about our favorites of the year and whoever. Uh, have on his guests for that episode will contribute as well but you know i don't think there will be a crowning uh, uh i i think christian and i will have very different opinions and cool. i think that's fun it'll be fun mm-hmm. to express those and we'll have uh you know our top fives uh, personal top fives and see if we can decide on a, a a top game but if not so be it i think you know i think that's a fun way to talk about it and, and it it reinforces what you're saying christian about talking about favorites because you know, as many games as we've played over the year, which is a lot, we certainly haven't played everything, and um, we don't have enough different voices on this show to be able to say, you know, we have a definitive game of the year. It's more like... And I don't even think that anybody is saying definitive game of the year. I think it's of this this grouping of people, what is our favorite. And I think that's what the discussion right. that we'll have. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, let's take another little quick break and thank our sponsors, Squarespace... Squarespace is awesome. I've used yeah. it for many years. My personal website, JeffCanada.com, was built on Squarespace, is housed on Squarespace. You can't bring it down because Squarespace is so rad. And Squarespace just started... Squarespace 7, super huge news. They've made everything simpler and easier to use while retaining the power and complexity of the Squarespace platform you already know. Squarespace is the easiest way to create awesome-looking blogs, websites, storefronts, anything that you need on the web. Squarespace makes it easy, and their new version, Squarespace 7, it refines all the powerful features from Squarespace 6 into one seamless, unified experience They've uncluttered your workspace, simplified the whole website-making process by letting you add content and customize your design all in one window. You're going to spend even less time building with with this version and more time doing what you love. We're going to give you a free trial. That's free-free. That's not even having to put your credit card in free, plus 10% off if you go to Squarespace.com and use our promo code JeffSentMe. J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E. All one word. JeffSentMe. You're going to check out the new features of Squarespace 7, like cover pages. It's awesome. There's Getty Images integration now. You get access to over 40 million professional stock photographs that ordinarily cost hundreds of dollars, sometimes thousands of dollars per image. Now they're available for just 10 bucks in an image to Squarespace customers. It makes you be able to make beautiful, interesting, unique websites. Like I said, I love Squarespace. I've been using them for many, many years and we're going to give you 10% off your order and it's free to try. So check them out. Squarespace.com slash DLC, squarespace.com slash DLC with that promo code Jeff sent me.
2: Uh, all right. Just come, oh, oh, I not think people. great. Yeah. yeah no, nice to people. Like we we put together we over at our show we put together a joke site called fandas.biz just so we could figure out like the e- you know the Squarespace e commerce stuff and we just throw this together this web page in like twenty minutes in a joke and we have made so much money off of this site <laughs> it's, it's awesome. ridiculous and it's like I don't know it's just if you're not using them I don't know what you're thinking they're great great people.
0: Well, uh, I appreciate that. That's, uh, I, I agree. I completely agree. A yeah. uh, couple of other stories I want to hit on before we get to the playlist, and that is uh, this interesting new MMO that was just announced for PS4. It's been in beta on PC and Linux for a while, but it's called Wander, and it's really the thing that I've been talking about for years uh, wanting, and that is an MMO that sans combat. I love cool. combat in my games. I like blasting stuff and hunting and crazy beasties and all that stuff. Yes, 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 I love it. But couldn't we come up with a way to make a really interesting game world without any combat whatsoever? Well, it sounds like this game uh, from a Melbourne developer uh, is going to attempt just that, and it's being being ported over to PS4, and it's it's got a uh, release window of, um, it looks like, March 2015. And you're exploring. That's the key gameplay loop is exploring this really beautiful environment. The uh, teaser trailer was just released. And it looks really pretty. And you yeah. you uh, play as different anthropomorphized creatures and plants and stuff, a tree and a flying creature and stuff. Um, Christian, what is your take on Wander?
1: Um, I know very little about it. I saw you post the story, and and I read up on it. I mean... I haven't played it. I don't know much about it. If it can deliver a solid gameplay experience or, and fun, that's awesome. I mean, I don't think it holds up particularly well today, but I think somewhat similar. You know, I loved Mist when I was a little kid, and that was just exploration and, and exploring a world. It wasn't an MMO by any means, but I mean, I think this game can be made, right? This mythical game that you wanted for so long, and hopefully this is a, a great step in that direction. I mean, is this are you chomping at the bit to get into it now? Or is it just like, you're going to wait and see?
0: Oh, I'm definitely excited about it. I, I hope it's great. Um, it, Adam Rita in the chat room said he played Wander at PAX Australia in the Oculus and had a uh, great oh, fun. Wow. So,
2: yeah. 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 I think, you know, for me personally, I think, I think MMOs are a genre that are badly in need of disruption and innovation. And I mean, I'm as big a Final Fantasy you know, fan as you'll ever find. But I think if you look at Final Fantasy, you know, fourteen RBO. It's very similar to World of Warcraft. You know, like you have hotkeys and items and classes. And, you know, is World of Warcraft really that different in experience than Final Fantasy 14 versus like the Old Republic? I, I kind of feel like, you know, speaking of the 10 year anniversary of World of Warcraft, we found this one core grind mechanic idea that worked. And it, it's very frustrating because I don't feel like we're really innovating outside of that space. And sometimes to to innovate, you have to throw something away that that really works. Um, so I think throwing away you know combat and looking at other ways to progress your character and have a grind, I think that's just a fantastic idea, and I, I'm fully in support of that.
0: Boy, I think that is so well said, Brianna. Yeah. I, I, I completely agree with you that uh, this is, as much as I love these kinds of games, and I do, uh, and I've played almost all of them as they've come out and love them in in their own specific ways and continue to love World of Warcraft, I completely agree with you about this idea of, of potentially throwing something away that works and getting away from a gameplay loop that's tried and true in order to break new ground and, and uh, create something fresh. And I hope this is the game that does it. Well, It remains to be seen, but it's certainly cool that someone's trying it. I think that's yeah thing
2: i Um, think uh like especially with the oculus i as a developer you know oculus is this is just brianna's opinion i don't think ps4 matters i don't think xbox one matters it's just a trivial upgrade in the long run i think the only thing we're doing that really matters is an industry as far as pushing the entire idea of games forward is oculus and the ideas like oculus so I think if um, you know they're experimenting with the the frameworks that will let you plug this game into that, I think that's that's awesome, and that's the kind of innovation w- that we need. Like make you feel immersed in environments and starting to figure out the the gameplay challenges that happen when you're you're in Oculus, uh, because it does introduce a whole new subset of, of, of challenges.
0: My favorite comment in the chat is from Lawman, who says. It better have a slash dance or so help me. Because <laughs> that's what makes an MMO an MMO, you know, is a slash dance.
1: Yeah,
0: um, yeah. Another the, the most submitted story this week, uh, on both on the subreddit by Spaceman Spiff, on uh, Twitter from uh, WafflePL and Cygrex and a bunch of other people, uh, was this uh, board gaming story actually about Asmodee acquiring Fantasy Flight. There's a big merger. Two gigantic board gaming companies. Um, it's more of an acquisition, really, of uh, Asmodee getting Fantasy Flight. Fantasy Flight is a is a gigantic company. Asmodee is a gigantic company. So the combining of them makes uh, probably the biggest hobby enthusiast board gaming company on the world. And uh, that's pretty exciting, I think. A lot of people are worried that it'll dilute both companies and that. Um, these kind of mergers will be bad for both, but it sounds like, at least from their messaging so far, that Fantasy Flight is going to be fairly autonomous and be able to work uh, under its own label, you know, still produce games that it wants to create and just be owned uh, and just be a subsidiary of Asmodee. So uh, it remains to be seen how that will actually affect things, but I think the doom and gloom that a lot of the board gaming fans are are, are crying out at this point is a little bit premature. Hmm. Um, All right, so finally, I want to bring up my story of the week. At long last, and the only reason I brought it up last is because uh, there's really not much to it other than the fact that I love it with my whole heart. This was uh, brought to my attention on the subreddit at uh, reddit.com slash r slash 5 by 5 dlc by ICU. And I don't know if you guys got a chance to watch this, but it's a trailer that just came out for EVE Online called This Is EVE, And it is the best video game trailer in the history of mankind, as far as I'm concerned. Breathtaking. Yes. And in an era of CG trailers and story this and live action announcement trailers and and all this stuff that really sort of just obfuscates the game and, and gets away from what makes the game great and tries to create a world instead... This is about why the game is amazing. And I urge everybody to go check it out. It's on YouTube. It's called the This Is Eve trailer. It's already got over a million views, so a lot of people have checked it out. But, my God, it makes me want to play Eve, uh, even though there's definitely sections of the trailer where I'm like, ooh, that looks really complicated. <laughs> but um, but it, it's wonderful because it's it's gameplay visuals of the game interspersed with voiceover of people online playing it together and just the joy it's about the joy of playing games and playing games together um Brianna, you you were exclaiming, did you get a chance to watch this?
2: Oh god, yeah, like three times. I think, you know, I've tried to get into EVE like four times, and I just can't. I was hoping, you know, Dust 514 would be a place where I could get into it. But even though EVE is not a game for me, I think you have to, I think there's so much about EVE that just, it, it deserves praise. The design work is so stunning and I don't know where we as an industry decided after the 90s that space combat or like that that aesthetic of spaceship games uh, was no longer interesting to us like what the what happened to us why wasn't why don't why aren't we still doing this because you can look at the ship design in eve and it's it's gorgeous like do you know when you're watching a new star trek movie and they show you like the new ship designs and your your heart just skips a beat as you're looking at it like that's (laughs) every second of this eve trailer and the you know the vfx are beautiful with the light sourcing effects and the planets and the war and the like you said the joy of the players i mean Eve is a community where you had an epic battle take place. And they went and built a statue, a freaking statue in the real world to celebrate that. And how can you not love a game and a community that that shows that level of love for a game. And that's why we all got into this. And I just think in an age where games are so politicized and and like, it's just, it seems like a new fight every single day. I just, I love this trailer because it felt so joyous.
0: That's exactly my sentiment. Uh, I I just, it reminded me of what's wonderful about gaming and, and just the hearing the, the shock and the awe and the, just the 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 fun people were having and the camaraderie, really camaraderie too. Yeah, uh, Christian, did you get a chance to see this? No. Oh, <laughs> are you judgment. all right, Christian? I feel like you're not. You're having a bad day. Did I? Are you okay?
1: No, I'm great. I um, am not interested in this game. I'm not interested in watching a great trailer, trailer for a game. I am not interested in. I'm sure it's fantastic, but you know, limited Ooh, time, limited ah, resources. Humbug. Jeez. Well, we haven't gotten to I mean, I'm on an amiibo quest, Jeff. I'm on a quest for amiibos. New amiibos <laughs> are coming out December fourteenth, I think. I mean I've got important stuff to do with important people like Samus okay. and Mario and We Fit Girl, and it's a busy day. All
2: right. Well then I let's can confirm amiibos aren't great. Well let's get let's <laughs> get let's get to that, that discussion. We'll, yeah. Get, yeah. we'll
0: get we'll get to uh we'll get to the playlist now. Ooh, it's a play- All right, you two. Tell me about Amiibos. Who wants
1: to go Why first? I want to talk about Amiibos, Jeff? They're so dumb. <laughs> They're not, how, many Ami- how many
0: Amiibos have you acquired so far, Christian?
1: Well, if you watched the Eve trailer like I did, <laughs> you'll know. <notice. laughs> <laughs> I have two Amiibos, so I am playing Smash 4 Wii U, which... Uh, I think is a horrible name for a game. It's a, a pun. It's Smash Four. Get it? Wink, wink. What a dumb name. Nintendo was better when it was like Super. This should just be you are Smash today. Ah,
0: wow. so ornery. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's a terrible name. Tell me why it's terrible. Go ahead.
1: And I own two Amiibos: Mario and Samus. And you like them? They look good. Um, the initial <laughs> build. Go ahead the initial build quality of them at E3, they looked great. Um, And then you saw some shots of actual production figures and, you know, people were like, oh, they don't look as good as they did at E3 because obviously mass production is harder to do than hand painted or whatever. Um, But, and I guess apparently there are some links that have like lazy eyes or cross eyes or something like that. But my Samus and my Mario, I mean, they're sitting on my shelf next to my um, Batman bobblehead and my Ryu I got at Comic-Con like five years ago. And they look great. They're great sitting there. Um yeah, I, I think they're great little I I wish they were cheaper. I think they're like what, twelve bucks, something like that. But they look great. I think they're awesome. Brianna, do you have any uh amiibos?
2: Yeah, um, you know, because I'm a developer, I get to tax deduct a lot of, you know, games and accessories because it's it's legitimate market research that I do. Uh, even though I'm not really a Smash fan, I was very interested about their implementation particularly because, you know, Apple devices have iBeacons feature now, and not that we're planning on doing it anytime soon, but certainly like figure integration with game technology is something that's interesting to me. So, just as like professional research, of course, if Nintendo puts out an Amiibo, I'm going to buy that and try it. So, I got Peach and Samus. Um, I thought the detail on them was particularly good compared to, say, uh, Disney Infinity figures. Uh, There's a lot more fine detail on, say, the eyes and things like that. Um, But I think the, the actual implementation in Super Smash is really disappointing. And, I mean, if it's not like Disney Infinity. Let's take Disney Infinity. My character is the character that I play in that game. And with Disney Infinity 2.0, I get to develop my character along a certain skill trajectory. And I can't get every skill. So, you know, like my um, you know, my Guardians of the Galaxy figure is gonna be different than someone else's. Um, here with the amiibos, it's just like, you get these small tweaks in a very Tekken way to stats, and you can tweak moveset and colors a little bit. But is it really worth like getting this figure off the shelf and touching it to your NFC port on your Wii U constantly? To me, that answer is no. So, um, you know, it's, it seems to be another example of what Nintendo does, does very well, which is introduce gimmicks that let them sell trinkets to go with it and make a lot of money.
0: It's really surprising implementation from my perspective. I think that the Disney Infinity or, you know, the uh, Skylanders version, it just seemed like a no-brainer. Like, that's what everybody else is doing. Why aren't aren't you doing that? I don't understand why they did it that way. It seems so
1: odd to me. Well, I mean, part of it is, right, they're usable and they're trying to be cross gameable, And it's all types of games. So in the Smash implementation and then in Mario Kart, which is the reason I decided to get Mario um I, samus is one of my favorite characters ever she's awesome she's great so definitely going to get the samus one and then i got mario because i figure well, if these are cross game characters what character is most likely to be in all of these future games so i can see what the amiibo functionality is and that yeah. answer was mario yeah um but so i feel like i understand to some extent why it's not skylanders or disney infinity because they haven't made Amiibo, Landers, Infinity, or whatever. They haven't made that game yet, right? But at the same time, Brian, I totally agree with you where it's like, well, Smash is fun, and I really enjoy the game, and I got it because you know Thanksgiving is coming up, family's gonna be here, we're gonna have a lot of fun on-the-couch multiplayer Smash playing. Um, but it, it again, like the 3DS version, Jeff, I kind of talked about how it's just, there's so many menus and so many game types, and some people love that, but to me, I get lost in it without knowing where to do or what, quote, should I be doing, so to speak. And people are like, you do whatever you want. And I'm like, I know, but what should I be doing? (laughs) Like, for real, what should I be doing? And Mm -hmm. I feel like amiibos are kind of the same way. Like, you put it on, and I'm, like, upgrading this computer-controlled character, but I don't know what modes I can use him in, uh, where Samus, it can be playable, where she is whatever, and can I bring her online, and can I bring Mario online, or is it just this... Play against him to beef them up. And then if I have them beefed up, what do I do with them? And it's this weird kind of like nebulous thing for this little character that I have. And I'm like, okay, great. And like on the game menu itself, there's just like kind of the amiibo logo that you click on to go into it. And I think if you didn't know what they were for like a new initiative, I feel like Nintendo isn't doing the best of job of like championing this thing and being like, these are cool. These are all the cool things you get to do with it. This is going to be so awesome. Here's how you use it. Everybody should try this mode. It's kind of like, if you don't know what it is, Amiibo almost looks like the developer of Smash, if that makes sense. You know, like the way the game will, like, Call of Duty will be like, Call of Duty, and then it'll say, like, Sledgehammer Games kind of thing with their logo. That's what Amiibo looks like on the Smash menu. Um, so I understand why it's not Infinity, but I also don't understand quite why they chose the implementation they did. Because I would love to, even if it's just outfits, I would love to customize my little in-game character and then basically bring him or her over to your house, Jeff, and you know put my yeah. Samus on your gamepad and, and unlock her to play against you.
0: Uh, the Gru in the chat room here is saying he loves the suits in MK8, Uh, uh So I think that's kind of how it works in Kart, right? That it gives you extra little outfits for your, for your peeps? No?
2: Not that I've seen no. I could be mistaken. Uh, I mean, am I? Am I? I don't know.
0: I haven't tried. I don't have any amiibos. Uh, okay, but uh, that's. Uh,
3: I think that's my, what it my does. My cursory it
2: examination like... has said no, um, and I think it. It speaks to one Nintendo's biggest problems this generation. Like the Wii U, um, I, I think the Wii U is a fantastic value of a console. I think it's. You know, I own all systems, I have no loyalty to anything, it's my opinion that of all the systems out there, if you already own a PS3, the Wii U has the most value. That said, what I think I've seen Nintendo completely stumble at again and again and again in this generation is UI and functionality. I have that exact same feeling when I play uh, Super Smash as I do with Mario Kart 8, which is the, the UI is very convoluted, I don't know what to do. It's confusing. It's overwhelming. And when you think about what Nintendo does well, which is that very innovative experience, I think they're they're failing at that, and I think they're failing big time with Amiibo. If I go buy a Guardians of the Galaxy set, what does my figure do? Well, if the figure is from the playset, I can go play in that world. That's simple. That's a value I understand. It's, mm-hmm. it's very straightforward way it does. The Amiibo message is completely confusing, and it's that way with everything Nintendo ships. They have multiple, they have the 3DS, 3DS XL, the new, new 3DS, the you know, 2DS. It's a fragmented product line, and I think their, their message to consumers is incomprehensible.
0: Uh, it looks like a lot of people in the chat are telling us that uh, in Mario Kart, the Amiibos unlock costumes for your me, and then mm-hmm. you can you know drive your me around uh, in the game, uh, which is one of the features of Mario Kart. But it basically unlocks costumes for your me, which sounds yeah. cool. Um, we're running long already, but I definitely want sorry, to talk about yeah. Far Cry. Uh, <gasps> no, 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 no sorry. Lots, lots of good stuff. Um, Brianna, you've been playing tons of Far Cry Four, oh, right?
2: Yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and you yeah. were a fan
0: of Far Cry Three, like I was.
2: Oh yeah, I I know Far Cry Three got a lot of heat from people for the for the narrative. I thought it was a modern Heart of Darkness with like this guy in the modern age that you know is a kind of frat bro and finds out like in this world of electronics and all this nonsense that he's really good at killing people and being a warrior and i thought the character progression that was astonishingly great um i've i've played the frack out of every far cry game that's ever come out um i think far cry 4 does not have enough innovation i think it's far too similar to far cry 3 but i'd be lying if i said i weren't playing it and loving it and having a blast the whole time so what about you what about you i haven't
0: uh, unfortunately because of warlords of Dranor and and oh. Dragon Age Inquisition, uh, yeah. Far Cry Four was the game that I had to say, okay, I'm going to wait a little bi- while for this one. Uh, so I haven't even picked it up yet, uh, but I'm so excited. I, Far Cry Three was one of my favorite games oh, that year. Love it, love and, it,
2: love um, that game. Did you play yeah. Blood Dragon?
0: Yeah, I did. Oh, yeah.
2: I love Blood Dragon. Love Blood Dragon. I
0: liked yeah. Blood Dragon a lot. It, I think the um, the novelty wore off a little quickly for me, but uh, oh. it was still it was very fun, and I just love the fact that they did it at all.
2: Yeah, uh-huh. absolutely. Yeah, I, but so, I think it's a great. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah,
0: no, go ahead. What were you
2: saying? I I was just gonna say, like, it's it's. I think we were speaking earlier about Ubisoft's really rushed production schedules, and you know, Assassin's Creed Unity. It's really apparent with that. Yeah, I think it's really showing with Far Cry Four. You know, like, they needed a game at this time for this quarter. they locked down the release date, and they shipped a game without a lot of innovation. It's, it's very clearly still the Far Cry 3 engine. A lot of the mechanics are exactly the same. A lot of the game types are exactly the same. A lot of the static meshes are exactly the same. And, like, the animation, the skills, everything is so similar to Far Cry 3. So, if you have played Far Cry 3, I would say, Jeff, like, you made the right call. Like, wait on it you know, wait till there's a price drop or you have some time. Uh, but if you haven't played far cry three, it's a fantastic game.
0: Awesome. Well, I, uh, I've definitely been playing lots of world of Warcraft and dragon age. I'll talk about dragon age more next week because, um, we're kind of we're kind of running long here, but, uh, Christian, was there anything else you wanted to bring up?
1: I'll talk more about smash after I play uh Thanksgiving weekend, um, couch co-op and Bayonetta Two. Um, yeah just gonna stress again if you have a wii u and you maybe haven't picked it up i mean it has eye rolling stereotypically japanese like why are you showing a girl's butt bounce on um this horse such a close-up for so long but as an action game running at 60 frames per second it is so much fun to play
2: Yeah, I love Bayonetta. I have no problem with Bayonetta as a feminist. I think if you can take her as camp, like she is, she's in control of every situation in that game. She is a character, she's a person. And I think you can be sexy and ask to be respected as a person. And I think Bayonetta is great for that. So I think it's a great game.
0: Well, uh Tabletop Time is going to be very special this week. We have a uh, an interview with Rob Davio, who is a friend of the show and um, the designer of Risk Legacy and a whole bunch of other games. He's got a new game that he wanted to talk about, so we've got an interview coming up with him that I'll drop in as pre-recorded. We recorded it live from BGGCon, the uh, Board Game GeekCon, which is a huge gaming event that happened this last week, so we'll tell us a little bit about that as well. So stay tuned for that, but I do want to thank Brianna Wu for being here. Uh, so fun. So fun to finally make this happen. I'm sorry it took yeah. so long to get yeah, you on. we still but... going to
2: have a Peckle throwdown. You know, yeah, like that, that's I'm, on the table. So. I'm officially
0: I'm officially intimidated by that because okay. uh, I know you were going to wipe the floor with me, but uh, Anyone fair can game of
2: Anyone can win a game of Peggle. Anyone <laughs> can win a game of Peggle. So...
0: Awesome. Uh, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna get to the uh, the parting gift where we have uh, recommendations from not the world of gaming to uh, give you before we go. But in the meantime, tell people where they can see your stuff this week.
2: Uh, for me, uh, yeah. I guess listen to Isometric Show, uh, which we just had a new episode come out today, and I'm in the news every freaking day now. <laughs> like I'm about to get off and do an interview at the AP. So follow me on Twitter, Space Cat Gal.
0: Well. Kudos for you to uh, standing toe to toe with villainy and 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 not backing down i uh, I am, am am in awe of that um, Christian, how about you what's going on with you this week?
1: Um, playing smash with my family <laughs> I'll be down in San Diego on the thirtieth of this month. I'm doing a benefit show um, for a great um, charity that supports children with Down syndrome um, i be doing that at the comedy i mean at the uh, Madhouse Comedy Club. On the thirtieth, and then December second, I am recording my first stand-up comedy album. I'm doing it in San Diego at La Stats, which is at three three four three Adams Avenue in San Diego. Um, I have a uh, uh, what uh, the album art will be as my Twitter avatar and uh, Facebook profile picture. If you want to get a look at that, Tyler Ross shot those pictures for me. And it's December second in San Diego. It'll be a free show and I'm really excited about it.
0: Awesome. All right. Uh, And now we're going to have the debut of the new Parting Gift Bumper created by Sean Madigan and his wife, the guys who did the playlist uh, bumper that everybody seems to love. So take it away with our parting gift.
2: This is your
0: Perfect way to wrap up the show, uh, even though it's not officially the end this week. Um, Brianna, do you have a parting gift for the people?
2: I, I don't think I do today. I can't sing a song like that on the fly. So <laughs> oh, no, no, I don't mean
0: that. Any recommendation yeah. of anything that might be, uh, uh, you know, not a video game?
2: Ah, uh, let me think for a second. I, I, I'm trying Soylent. I got off food and I'm doing Soylent. So oh, what, is your, uh,
0: what is your experience with that?
2: It's awesome. So, you know, I'm the world's like biggest dev head engineer person where I find eating to be a complete pain in the butt 90% of the time. So they come out with this product called Soylent and you basically get to hack eating and you just drink this liquid instead. And so, what I did was, uh, you know, I got off food. I just drink Soylent. And, you know, like, we take all the money we save from that. And, like, I'll go have, like, a real nice dinner with my husband, like, you know, a few times a week now. But it's just, it's great. It saves so much time. So, I I wholeheartedly endorse Soylent.
1: Wow. Christian, do you have a parting gift? Yeah, hand write and mail a letter to someone, not, not in your immediate family. Don't tell them you're doing it. Uh, write just normal stuff, whatever you would say, like "Hey Jeff," whatever. Just write a letter to it, to him, mail it. Don't tell them you're sending it, and it's awesome. It's so much, <laughs> it's so much fun. It's so weird. Uh, if you want to have fun, do it. Like a week later, your friend will be like, uh, "Did you mail me a letter?" And like, <laughs> "Yeah, I did," and just leave That's it at awesome. that.
2: How do you mail a letter? What does that mean? <laughs> I, don't, the,
0: I, don't I think they have computers for that now.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I uh,
0: I was in Chicago this weekend. First time I'd ever been there. It was funny. The, when I you know, first arrived, the first thing that, that came to my mind was, I think I've been here before in video games. Um, <laughs> but uh, I had an epiphany. And I think uh, my, my parting gift this week, it seems appropriate because it is Thanksgiving here in the United States. Uh, and I think I think I figured out the meaning of life, guys. So my parting gift for you this week is the meaning of life. Are you ready? It's people. People. Uh, as much as we love video games, as, as much as we love uh, all, all kinds of media and geeky stuff, it all comes down to people. Treat people well. Befriend them. Hang out with them. Spend time with the people in your life that are important. The older I get, the more I realize that my younger years, uh, I didn't realize how important people are and how enriching to your life they are, uh, I am so thankful for everybody involved in this show. I am so thankful for all of you listening to the show and uh, games have become a way for me to just get closer to people and I think that uh, it's made my life better and uh, I urge you guys all to prioritize the other human beings in your life uh, and you know be selfless give to them and uh, you'll you'll feel great so it's a little soapbox moment, but uh, it's something that I genuinely feel.
2: That's such a positive moment to end on. Like, oh, well, you make me want to be a better person listening. to Oh, you.
0: well, I, 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 you know, I believe strongly in it, and I think it's, I think it's true. Uh, so, anyway, so we're gonna pitch now to our uh, tabletop time with Rob Davio. But thank you so much, Brianna Wu. You're awesome. Thank you, Christian. Thank you, Zach. for uh for producing the show and being amazing every week and thank all of you for listening have a wonderful safe thanksgiving if you're in the united states be safe on black friday happy holidays and until next week think about what you put out into the world make it a better place right now right now It is indeed tabletop time, and I have uh, a fantastic guest who is officially friend of the show status at this point because he's been on before, game designer, board gaming luminary, Rob Davio. Welcome back. Thank
3: you. I, I'm a friend in a luminary. I feel awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah. You've, you've earned it. You've earned Thank it. Thank you. Um, Thank you. People loved the last time you were on the show, so I'm excited to have you back. And it's even cooler because you're talking to me literally from... The show floor of BGG Con.
3: Yes. Well, I'm in my room, but I was on the floor just minutes ago. You're
0: ruining the illusion, Rob.
3: <laughs> I, I, you can put some crowd murmur in the background. <laughs> I am totally on the floor of the show. <laughs>
0: uh, so, from the metaphorical floor of the show, Rob yes. Davio. Yes. Um, it, you've been to BGG Con before, I'm assuming.
3: No, it's my first time. Really? Yeah, it's the tenth cool. one, and I just made it.
0: I have not been yet. Um, so, tell me what you've experienced so far i mean we're just uh as you and i are talking right now it's thursday so the con has not really gotten to full swing yet but uh, uh yeah yeah it, it started yesterday actually yeah but it, i guess the weekend would probably be the the height of it i'm I'm guessing
3: well you have to uh kind of sign up ahead of time mm-hmm. so i think people who are signing up except for the dallas locals are per- pretty much committing to a large chunk of time because this thing was rocking when i rolled in at like 10:30 last night wow I mean, there was just a ballroom of, I don't know, 200 tables full of people playing games with no sign of slowing down.
0: That's awesome. Uh, yeah. I've it, heard it, very good things about that show. How do you compare it to other conventions you've been to?
3: I feel like, well, it's, first of all, it's focused really on board games. Mm-hmm. So I'm not seeing any role playing, any collectible card games, uh, no tabletop miniatures. It's board game, board game, board game, given the name, not too surprising. And people are here to play. There's no kids. There's no cosplay. So it's like the the sort of industrial workmanship of conventions in that sense of <laughs> I'm here. I'm going to play 15 games in a day, and I'm going to get up and do it again tomorrow.
0: Wow, um, That sounds like heaven. <laughs> yeah. I,
3: first of all, Board Game Geek has... Their own game collection, which as far as I can tell is every game ever made since like 1995, that you can just go in, they scan the barcode on your badge, and you just take it out and you play it. So you do not have to wait to find a game. And then they get these cool signs where you can put on your table. One is, you know, players wanted. So if you're sure to play, you put it out and people just come in. And one I hadn't seen before, which I like, is teachers wanted. Oh great. So you get a game and you're like, I've heard good things. I don't feel like reading the rules. You put that up and someone will walk by within a few minutes like, oh, I know how to play. Hold on. And they'll just take their time out, walk you through and get you going on the game. Like it's just amazing sort of community feel.
0: That's fantastic. Uh, and I saw on Twitter that you are playtesting Seafall there. Are you, are you playing any games for pleasure or are you kind of working it?
3: Uh, I'm mostly working it. That has to be my default th- these days. Um, which isn't to say I won't have a good time and I won't play some games, but I've got a Seafall playtest. I'm going to be running um, a few different versions of that being a legacy game like Risk Legacy. I have three different sets that three different groups can be kind of playing. And I've got some other games I'm working on that I'm going to be bringing out. And um, I'm on a panel on Saturday talking about owning a board game company with Eric Lang. Uh, They put me in the poker tournament tomorrow night.
0: (laughs) <laughs> That's cool. Yeah,
3: and there is a um, exhibitor hall. There's actually two of them. They had a room, and I think they've overbooked it, or, or they've you know reached capacity, and so there's another one. And it, they're small compared to like a Gen Con or certainly a Comic Con because it's not about the exhibitor hall as much. Mm-hmm. So I'm also going around. I'm going to be going home with too many games that I hope to play over Thanksgiving. And Christmas and sort of connecting with publishers and co-designers and, you know, kind of doing the industry thing.
0: So what's on your what's on your list of got to pick it up at this convention to to bring home?
3: Um, I could not tell you right now because I walked the floor just for like an hour right now. Mm -hmm. And my answer would be yes. <laughs> but, like, I was like, oh man! I like I I live in a small town in Western Mass, and so and I'm very busy on my own game, so I don't play enough games, so I'm like really behind. So I could name a game and be all excited, and your listeners would be like, that came out like 18 months ago. I'm like, why hasn't he played that yet? Because <laughs> I'm I'm very busy making my games. Um, but I walked around and I was like, oh, I could buy that, and I could buy that, and I could buy that. I mean, what I'm looking for for this particular batch is stuff that my wife and kids would play, and she's a gamer. Um, we met at Hasbro, and the kids are old enough now that they can be gamers. But I can't drop something on the table that's going to be four and a half hours in like right. a heavy core game or something.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you're like King of King of New York, or you know, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I'm. Uh, you've also just recently been uh, you're publishing a game that you did not design. Is that correct? This is a, a party game called Fun Employed. Yeah,
3: yeah. So I, I'm putting my toe in the water as a as a uh, publisher and as a Kickstarter guy. <laughs> is this your um, first Kickstarter. This is my first kickstarter and after two days i think the only way i can describe it is sort of like the equivalent of heroin which is <laughs> yes when the pledges are coming in you get this rush and then they go away for 10 minutes or 20 minutes and you think you're never going to get another fix right. like you know you start hitting your email like come on please come on i need this i need one more and then you get it and everything's happy in the world again uh, but it's going very well i'll talk about uh that but it's basically fun employed as a it's a party game, and I saw it like two years ago, maybe a year and a half ago. I said, this is just fun. Like, it's just simple and fun. It's one of those games, as a designer, you get mad because it's so obvious. You're like, wait, th- why didn't I do this? Mm-hmm. And it was with another publisher, and they did a very limited print run, and it kind of went on to print. And the designer came to me and was looking for advice, and I was playing it at Gen Con with a bunch of people, and we were all having a great time. And I was kind of like, you know what? I want to publish this. So it was one of those spur-of-the-moment decisions, which remarkably did not involve alcohol. <laughs> Um, but I just saw how much of a good time people were having. I thought this would be a great way to put on my publisher hat, which i 've been meaning to do specifically because it 's not a game i 'm designing or have designed i 'm not worrying about any of the design it 's like done just a few tweaks we 're mm-hmm. changing the graphics, and I could really get into the whole back end of thing, which is not the glamorous side, but really, I feel necessary for me to know.
0: This is the first time that you 've published something that you did not uh, create Yes, yeah, it's the first time I published something. Oh wow.
3: Yeah, I mean, I have had things published when I worked at Hasbro, and I have games right now in development with publishers. So, uh, but working at Hasbro, I had a real frontline experience of what it takes to publish because the designers there are responsible for a lot of things that uh, game designers usually aren't responsible for, like the bill of materials and making sure it fits in the box and working on die lines and mm-hmm. it, you know. we work very close with marketing and you see how it's promoted. So there was a lot of there was a lot of areas that I had exposure to, but I had never done myself um so i have a couple partners of other ex-hasbro people and it's really like sitting around going all right how much does it cost to do freight to canada yeah a lot, a lot more than it should i'll tell you that Uh, it's not too bad it (laughs) it costs a lot to ship from the united states to canada but if you get it there on a boat oh it's not horrible i should have used boats
0: that's my problem
3: yeah if you use planes if you use (laughs) yeah and so it's it's not like the – it's the like necessary logistics, which is its own puzzle to figure out, and I'm enjoying it. I don't know if long term I'm going to like fully embrace. Like I love pallet management and warehouse storage. Um, <laughs> but I, I feel like as a designer – Sounds like a Euro I, game. <laughs> it would be a Euro game, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Pallet manager. Um you know, But as a designer, I feel like I will do a better job designing my games to do well in the market if I have taken the time to be a publisher and walked in their shoes. Right. It means that I will be thinking through all of the issues that publishers uh, have to deal with when I'm making the game and hopefully make it much easier for them. And if I really like it and it goes well, well, now I've got a small game company.
0: Well, let's talk a little bit about the game specifically. It's a party game, and it's sort of in the vein of Cards Against Humanity or uh, Apples to Apples. It's a, it's, it's one of those where somebody puts down something and everybody else has a hand of cards and has to relate to it, right?
3: Yeah, it, it's really it's that Apples to Apples style, which I think they were the first or the best-known example where there's no right answer. It's entirely a subjective opinion. One person's going to get to decide what was the funniest or the best, um, whereas Apples to Apples – is about as family-friendly as you get, and Cars Against Humanity is about as unfamily friendly right. as you can get. And I enjoy both of them for what they are. Fun Employed falls in between, which is it's, it has a lot more of the jokes re- and humor relying on the participants. So you can play it with kids, you can play it you know, with adults if you want to take it in that direction. Um, essentially, what the game is, is um, it's a recreation of a really awkward job interview, which... <laughs> Uh, On the surface, you're like, why would I want to go through that? Because it's funny when it's not real. Mm -hmm. Uh, Basically, one person is the job interviewer. They have the job. They're the straight man of the bit. And they say, okay, and they they have a card with a job on it that they just pick randomly. And it's usually an interesting job, and it's usually a realistic job. So it might be astronaut, for example, right? Mm -hmm. It's a plausible job, but it's not something we apply to for every day. Everyone else has four cards in their hand, which are qualifications um, to get the job, which range from – Sort of really offbeat to wildly inappropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm looking at an example right here. You might have
0: comb over <laughs> or uh, cougar. Um, nice. Both of which uh, are on my resume. So. Or, uh,
3: every problem ever. Uh, <laughs> French accent. Um, and then you get some saucier ones. I want to see if I can find the whip was in there. Opium damn opium den. Um And what happens, you have these four cards and there's some cards on the table and um, you just you can substitute the four cards you have with some on the table. So you're basically trying to get a a resume of four cards because after just like 30 seconds of everyone prepping, it it becomes almost like a little improv comedy bit, which I enjoy. So it's like, okay, you, you know, Jeff, you're applying for astronaut. Your four cards are crabs, daddy issues, um, false teeth and a dollar. (laughs) If you have to actually apply an interview for this job using all four of those qualifications and somehow justify them. So you can go straight, man. You can go really dirty. You can basically I mean, sometimes you just get a bad hand and you're like, I got nothing. Right. Like you like it's like a bit that you just give up on. Like you start talking like, nope, sorry. But you go around the table and whoever created sort of the funniest pitch or the best interview gets the job. It's like, okay, you're. Plate of brownies, you are a calendar model, uh, you have a minivan and uh, soft hands, and you work <laughs> into a really good story of why you should be an astronaut, and everyone was cracking up. It's like, congratulations, you're an astronaut.
0: This is exactly what I always want to do with uh, Cards Against Humanity and Apples to Apples, but the game itself is telling me not to because it's all secret. You know, it's we don't know who put those cards in, so I want to argue for my case in those games, but I can't because the game says, let's make it secret. Uh, yep. And and I also love the fact that in those games, especially Cards Against Humanity, once you've seen the crazy shocking card, yeah, you've pretty much seen the joke. The joke is done. That the joke was the card, and yeah, you can relate it in certain you know sentences or situations that you know the black cards have. But once you've seen the shocking card, it's it's sort of not that funny anymore. Yep. Uh, and it certainly has a, a short shelf life. That game, but this seems like. It's it's just giving you mechanisms to create new funny,
3: that, and that's really what the difference is. Is apples and apples are cards against humanity, and nothing against them. The the card is the joke, yeah. right? And, and once you put it together, you. I'm sorry, I'm going to turn off my email because I'm getting Kickstarter backers, which is very exciting. <laughs> <but it's laughs> making noises, I'm getting my heroin fix as yeah. we go. Um, this is the card is the beginning of the joke, and the cards are the qualifications are designed in such a way that hopefully you can use them again and again in multi-purposeful ways. Like there's one that we're putting in, which is just taint, <laughs> right? Which right. obviously means, you know, like a bad smell or a, right. a on your record. Some people might take the card in a different way, <laughs> right. but depending on what you pair it up with for a job, you've got a different, a lot of different ways that you can uh, roll with it.
0: <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. This sounds really fun. I'm, I'm, I'm anxious to play, especially after reading the, uh, uh, shut up and sit down review, which they just raved over it. Yeah. Um, yeah
3: they were the people at Gen Con who uh, not it wasn't their intent convinced me to, to publish it because they were going on and on and on, and I was like, okay, they're liking this a lot. And this is before the review came. I was just watching I'm like rather than helping this the designer find a publisher i'm going to be his publisher
0: that's awesome so so the Kickstarter is going on now you're still you still have uh, you know, we, yeah a- we
3: got twenty eight days left so it's it's fun employed second edition because it had a small print run before, so if people mm-hmm. go on and go on to uh, Kickstarter and see Fun Employed and see that it was funded and done. It's not that one. Yeah. It's the, the second edition one.
0: Okay. And, Fun uh, Employed second edition. And you are, you're calling, you are Iron Wall Games or is that them? Iron Wall Games is oh, my company. Nice. Uh, and so tell me about are, – are you, are you, do you have a lot of experience designing party games before? I mean obviously you didn't design this, but are you a fan of party games?
3: I really am. I mean, I feel like there's the right game for the right situation. For example, a lot of times when I'm at a Gen Con and I'm I'm working, like I'm working the floor and I'm demoing and I'm doing things and in the game about at the end of the day about all I have the brain space for is the party game. Yeah. And having worked at Hasbro for 14 years, we did a lot of party games and I would play, be involved with, co-design, polish, develop um a number of them over the years. Like there was a game that came out in 2001 called Moods hmm. that um I also uh, had a hand and it came in from an inventor. I think that's another game that uh people would like people would like who don't mind kind of acting or putting themselves out there like fun employed. Yeah. M- Moods is out of print now, but it was a fun game where you had to say a very innocuous line in a particular type of emotion. It was almost like a line reading game. Right. So you had to say, I would like my table now, but you would secretly have to say it like angry or um, you know, happy or mischievous. And everyone else would be looking at the like eight options of what you might have like the eight options of emotions that you might have had to say it in and try to guess which one you just did. But oh, of course, awesome. outside of Hollywood, no one can act.
0: Right. So you'd have, something <laughs> which would
3: be, you'd have three emotions, which was like mean, angry or aggressive. And you uh, as a like, non-actor would have to try to thread that needle.
0: Oh, that um, sounds fascinating.
3: Yeah, that was a fun game. That's been out of print for like well over a decade. But I worked on that. I worked on Trivial Pursuit hmm. um for a long time, which is you know more cerebral, but still more of a kickback yeah. relaxed game. I was like the editor in chief on that for like eight years. Really? Yeah. Um
0: I've always I've always said that Trivial Pursuit is a brilliant game with a terrible ending. It's like that oh, yeah. the end is just brutal. <laughs> just um, trying to hit that dice roll to get on the right
3: space. I I always wanted to do a survey because I I totally agree. Um, It invented the idea of an adult party game in 1982. That didn't exist. Like, had people over, which is going to kick back and play, you know, uh, Taboo or, you know, outside of the parlor games like charades or something like that just Mm -hmm. didn't exist. So it's showing its age. um, They showed it really early. But sitting around, you know, spending $60 for a box of cards and playing a three hour game was like a really cool new thing to do. Yeah. It's just, uh, you know, 30 some odd years later, it's kind of worn out. It's welcome in terms of the gameplay. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, th- I think people still play it and people still certainly know it. It's one of those big, you know, like Holy Trinity, you know, Monopoly, Clue, Trivial Pursuit. Yeah. It feels like, you know, it's a big boy, but, um, you know, party games in general aren't aren't something we talk about a lot on this show because I'm sort of obsessed with the strategic games and, you know, I love those those meatier experiences, but I play a heck of a lot of them and I love party games and they're such a great way to get people who who didn't think they even were into this kind of experience to have a great time and then dip their toe into, you know, a little meatier stuff as well. Yeah. Um, and I think Cards Against Humanity has done a great job in making people be able to play card games at all you know because because so many people that would never play a board game i know love cards against humanity but it it's a game that you play a few times and it sort of gets stale
3: yeah well yes i agree it can definitely get stale um yeah. they have a lot of new content to their credit
0: that's, and, true. Uh, that's true
3: and i have laughed very hard at their cards but yeah sometimes you know what's weird is you get those dull cards like you're laughing you're laughing and then you turn over the next one and it just dies and everyone almost gets flop sweat around the table <laughs> yeah and like true. the person just reading is kind of like yeah you know good effort you know like they know someone put that card down and you don't want to hurt their feelings i mean sometimes you might just be burning off a car but a card yeah. but i hate yeah. it when it goes flat in those
0: that's you always say you always say i just need to get rid of that one i just need to get rid yeah, of that one yeah i didn't think that was really funny of course <laughs> yeah um, um. Awesome. Well, um, I really appreciate you taking the time out to uh, tell us about Fun Employed and, uh, and about BGG Con. And uh, anytime yeah. you want to come back, you are always welcome on the show. It's uh, it's awesome talking to you.
3: Well, one last thing just to tie it all together as we think about BGG Con, and people are here to play like their full, you know, we're here for games. I walk in last night and I find uh, Scott Alden, Aldi, the guy who runs BGG. Mm-hmm. The first person I see when I'm here, like this is his show with thousands of people. He has got a headband on with some sort of magnetic clip to it, and he's <sighs> dipping his head onto a board playing the most ridiculous party game I've ever seen. And he was almost like apologetic, like, "Yeah, welcome to the world's biggest gaming strategy convention." As he's got sort of this dangling thing off his forehead, <laughs> and I was like, you know, I guess when it's eleven at night, sometimes you just want something silly.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I'm I'm very excited to try Fun Employed and I wish you the best of luck with the Kickstarter. Again, the game, the game is called Fun FunEmployed, uh, like unemployed, except with an F at the beginning, and it's on Kickstarter now. So thank you, and uh, hope to be back on soon. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode of the show. We appreciate uh, Rob being here and Brianna Wu and Christian and Zach for producing the show. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time, and until then...